Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And our guest today is Anne Harrison, who is one of the speakers at Voices of the Past at Banyan Retreat this past November. Her presentation was amazing about the mediumship of her mother-in-law, Minnie Harrison. After the death of Anne's first husband in 1990, she became interested in communication from the spirit realms and also qualified in several healing therapies. Anne became involved in research into physical phenomena on meeting her second husband, Tom, and has sat with several of today's current physical mediums. Her connection through Tom with Professor David Fontana led to an awareness of instrumental transcommunication, and she began collating the ITC journal for Annabella Cardoza. Since Tom's transition to higher realms, Anne is continuing his work in spreading the knowledge of the reality of psychic phenomena and what might be achieved when people sit together in harmony and sincerity. Anne is the author of Harrison Connections and publisher of Saturday Night Press Publications. Anne publishes great books, CDs, and DVDs to all who are interested in this fascinating subject. Her website is snppbooks.com. Anne Harrison, a warm welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Hello, Sandra. It's lovely to be with you. And hello, everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely to have you here. We met at the warm and wonderful Banyan Retreat. Oh, what a wonderful place. Yes, my first visit, uh, an unexpected invitation uh, when uh, Nick was needing a speaker. My dear friend Sue Farrow, who used to edit uh, Psychic News, suggested to Nick that uh, he ought to have me down to tell the story of, of Tom's home circle. And uh, yes, I had a wonderful time and met some wonderful people too, including yourself. Thank you. And your presentation, oh, my jaw was just dropped because the pictures that you had of uh, the ectoplasmic people and the stories of the Apor, it's just phenomenal. So I'm really grateful that you're our guest today. But maybe you could start off uh, sharing your background, how you even got involved in this world of... um, Psychic phenomena and afterlife communication, if you will. Yes, well, I knew nothing about it until the middle of, of June 1990 when my first husband, Norman, uh, passed with, with cancer. And of course, we, we'd had um, 19 wonderful years together. And it was, I was totally devastated. And then my sister in law rang me um, one afternoon to say, Anne, don't get upset, but. My friend who goes to the spiritualist church has got a message from Norman. And this person I I had no idea of didn't know that Bessie's sister had, her brother had died. And uh, she, after a meeting at uh, a church not far from Leeds in in North Yorkshire, uh, West Yorkshire, um, this person came up to her and said, I've got a man here who says, you know his sister. And will you please tell Bess, you can't believe how good it is the pain has gone. Now, as I say, this this person didn't even know that that Bess's brother had actually passed. She knew that, that he was ill, so it was a total surprise. 
She contacted her her friend, uh, Beth, my sister-in-law, who rang me and said, as I said, don't get upset, but my reaction was, when can I come? Sure. I wanted to make contact through, in whatever way, because somehow I knew that there was this possibility. I think I'd always believed, um, although having no contact with them, and uh, it was several weeks before I could go because the, the friend actually went on holiday and we had to wait. But uh, when I did go to this little church not far from Leeds, he, um, there was a message, but not from my husband. It was from a cousin of my mother's. Not, nobody knew anything about me. But it was enough to say that they knew that uh, John was in hospital, but would walk again. Well, by that time, my dear father had had a stroke and was in hospital. His name was John, although he was usually known as Jack. And uh, he was unable to walk. He did learn to walk again, but he didn't come out of hospital. Uh, he, he had a massive heart attack the, the day he was supposed to come out and passed. But by then, t- that time, I had made contact with the spiritualist church and got to know things. And I was so pleased that he had passed when he did, because he would never have been strong enough to drive his car, nor to have gone into his workshop and done his woodworking, which was his love. He, he, was, he was a very skilled joiner carpenter. And he would not have had the strength or the ability in his, his weak arm to be able to do any work. He would have been miserable. And so my reaction was, thank goodness he's free. That, that was my introduction in the first three months. that I knew everybody was okay. Everybody would be fine. They would, they would move on. And it, it was absolute miracle. I mean, people thought I was crackers, but I couldn't be happier for him. Um, my family, <laughs> well, no, my brother still just smiles indulgently at me and, you know, thinks I'm absolutely crackers. Yes, that happens. Say, One day he'll find out. <laughs> but yes, so that was that was my start. And um, from there, I um, learned a lot at the little church I went to, and then I wanted to know more. And somebody encouraged me to go to the Arthur Finlay College down at Stansted Hall in in Essex in England. And there I I studied with a a wonderful tutor, Mavis Patilla, absolutely brilliant teacher. And things just started to happen. Things just took off. But so I started to learn an awful lot about the mental side, the, the mental mediumship mm-hmm. and the use of clairvoyance, the, the clairaudience, people being able to hear things within their head as though people are speaking to them. And mine was more seeing pictures and, and I could also then look at the pictures and I wanted to know more and more. Well, as it happened... My friend um, suggested that we went along to um, a special weekend at a local centre 
where there was going to be a psychic supper followed by the following day by a talk by this man called Tom Harrison on physical mediumship of his mother. Hmm. And I said, I don't want to go to that. <laughs> Nobody does physical mediumship. That's old. Nobody does that. We now want the, the mental side of it where we're getting the higher teachings. This is what I had been told at the little church I went to. Anyway, she did persuade me. And as I say in my book, Harrison Connections, uh, the rest is history. Yeah, I can Tom tell and I. <laughs> you were persuaded because you now have the same last name as Tom. <laughs> well, yes, because we got married in 1998, <laughs> five years after we met. But yes, we, hit, we, we immediately hit that knowing each other. You just felt as though this was something so special. And I volunteered to drive because by then he was 75. And I said, I will drive the car if you've got to and take you to wherever you've got to do your talks, just so you've got somebody to support you. And uh, it went on from there. That's beautiful. <laughs> so eventually we, we married. And so, yes, I became Mrs. Anna Harrison. And um, he spent the, the 17 years, as he said, teaching me, teaching me everything about the circle. So as I was able to continue after after he'd gone, and when he passed in 2010, um, in the October, after after a fall, where he he then hem- hit his head and hemorrhaged inside and went into a coma, we uh, I had to do his talk uh, because I was booked to he was booked to do one the following week, and so I did it. I, you know, I'd, I'd done all the work behind it and all the preparing, the photographs and everything. So that was that was my start, and um, I know he's around a lot of the time. I know some of the time that I'm actually telling the stories that he told, but I feel it's he he, he is actually doing the telling through me. He's so very very close to me all the time. It's just a wonderful, wonderful feeling and a wonderful partnership. Yes, and the talk that you're speaking of, people can watch, our listener can watch on YouTube. It's called Tom Harrison's Visitors from the Other Side. And in the description of this episode, if you just scroll into the description section, I have uh, a link to that. And Tom has got a fantastic book called Life After Death, Living Proof, uh, and also Visits by Our Friends from the Other Side, a couple of books. So let me just ask you, Anne, when you were uh, courting Tom, did you attend physical seances with him? We did, yes. Uh, about uh, four months after we met, uh, Tom was already going to sit with Stuart Alexander. He'd met through the, the Noah's Ark Society, which was a society set up in about 1991, um, uh, to promote physical mediumship, which by then, of course, in the UK had really become, you know, nobody did it anymore, which is what they've been telling me. And people who were had been involved felt that, no, this wasn't right. We've got to get people going again. We've got to make give people the chance to link together and, and get their home circles going and, and make this contact. And uh, so I say Tom went along to the first meeting and he met up with Stuart Alexander 
and they got on like, extremely well. Stuart invited Tom to go and sit in his home circle, uh, which was actually only about five miles from where I lived in East Yorkshire. And um, so, yes, uh, Tom, because he could go there, got permission for me to go and sit with him. So in, in January 1994, um, I had my first sitting there with, with Stuart and the others at the, the place where they, they met um, in Hull. And uh, it was just amazing, absolutely amazing, just to feel, the main thing was to feel so comfortable, sitting in complete darkness, wrapped in, I can only say wrapped in a blanket of love, because that's how it felt, it, it just wrapped itself around you, and the wonderful contact that they had with the spirit people with young Christopher, who was there to you know, lighten the atmosphere and make everybody feel at home, a cheeky little monkey of about, I think he was supposed to be about six and a half, but like going on 70 or 80 in our time. Uh, but he had been passed for so long. In, in fact, I think Stuart said that when when Christopher was asked if he would wait uh, and and continue to remember being a child, uh, for about 40 years until this physical medium developed his gift uh, and then work with him. Yes. Uh, and so we still have this wonderful contact. And he's an uh, amazing, funny, very naughty at times, but a wonderful one. And then you've got the other, the other um, communicators, um, Walter Stinson, was his main communicator, helping with all the phenomena, the things that happen in the circle. And then to be introduced later on to Frida Johnson, who, who speaks and connects people with their loved ones from the spirit world. She comes through and speaks and has told us a bit about her life, explains things to us. And, but her great love is to be able to connect. She loves it when... Stuart doesn't necessarily do the physical phenomena, but just as the trance. And then she can connect the people in the spirit world with the people still here. And they can come and speak through Stuart to, to make that lovely connection. And the trance connection is so much deeper than um, a mental connection, where the medium is just passing on her, her clairvoyance or the clairaudience or saying that, the, the spirit person says this, and they want you to know that, and you want to know that. The spirit person themselves are able to speak to you directly through the trans medium. It, it, it's just amazing. And my eyes, I was, I was totally hooked, totally hooked. I don't blame and, you. And uh, it's, just, it's just gone on increasing, and from there we, we were able to sit in a private home circle with a family, uh, as well as sitting at Stuart's. And then as the years have gone by, I mean, I have sat a number of times with Scott and Milligan and David Thompson and, uh, and and a number of other quite private people who still do sit in their own circles. They have their own small groups and sit every week. or every, some, some of them only sit once a month because that's how they're... Their um, work time allows them to be, but they still make that contact. 
Oh, it's incredible. It is so, so precious. And, and to but a grieving does. person, to hear mm. from your loved one in words oh, that yes. you know are coming from them is amazing. Mm. And did you witness any physical people or phenomena or anything in red light, any of those things that we hear stories about that happened years ago? Well, yes, but not not fully, not, not full materializations. Um, uh, I have seen ectoplasm quite a bit in red light, particularly with the, the German medium, Kai Muga. He, I've seen the ectoplasm, and also from Scott, seen the ectoplasm form, flowing from them, but not forming into anything particular. But it was Stuart's circle. What his main communicator for phenomena, Walter Stinson, um, has 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 done, is to perfect um, a method of putting his hand into a mass of ectoplasm. So, if you can imagine ectoplasm flowing from from Stuart, particularly from his mouth, in, in this case, uh, sometimes from the from the solar plexus. And it it forms onto um, a table which is underlit by a red light. So it has a glass top with a red light inside it, but then covered with a cloth so the light is dim. The ectoplasm will form as a, as a flowing mass onto the table. And then you will see a hand gradually form and push the ectoplasm into a shape. And it's quite solid because the, the very often Walter will just say, now keep very still, put your hand on the table and stay very still. And so the sitter will put a hand on the table and keep very still, not move. And this ectoplasmic hand will move over the top of theirs to feel them and to hold them. And it's warm and it's life. It, it is like it is alive. I won't say it's life-like because it is alive. It's a living substance, and they are still living. So, the ectoplasm is is just a material that they're able to produce from the medium's body that is able then to be used by them to make them solid. So, I haven't seen a full materialization, but this one particular night, I will say, when when Walter had his hand on the table. He then told me to slowly move my hand over the top of his. Now, this is something I'd never seen before, never heard of before. But to be trusted by the spirit world not to do something stupid while I did that was such a great honor. I just become so emotional thinking about yes. it. But I did. I could feel his hand. I could feel the, the 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 tendons in the back of the hand. I could feel the hairs on the back of the hand. And it's a, his Walter's hand is a big hand. It really is. It, it's a large man's hand. Uh, and then suddenly, as I'm feeling the back of his hand, he whipped it over, grabbed hold of my hand, lifted it, and kissed it. How much of him was fully materialized, I don't know. Maybe only the hand, maybe the face. I couldn't see a face, but I know I felt that kiss. Wow. That's the most I've seen. Wow, that's, that's just fantastic. I yeah. know we were together at Scott's seance in November, and to see 
uh, the little child's fingers holding onto um, that glow-in-the-dark tablet. Yes. Walking yes. around the room, and of course, there was no child mm-hmm. in there that was of human form. I, my That's listeners right. can probably tell that I've done several interviews lately about physical mediumship, and it, to me, it, it's what I'm passionate about. I was, you know, we'll still talk to all kinds of people about life after death, but for me, continuing my search, I feel that. Yes, can there be frauds in this? Yes, and I think there can be with physical mediumship. And also in every (laughs) uh, job in the world, I think there are people that aren't um, what they pretend to be. But I I do know in my heart of hearts that this is real. And I I was just telling Anne before the show, one of the big um, things I didn't like doing was saying the word seance and ectoplasm because my mind goes to the movie Ghostbusters and if anyone's seen that comedy, there's this green gooey stuff called ectoplasm. And I just thought people would think I'm a lunatic if I start sharing that I'm going to seances and there's ectoplasm. Until I found a book called History of Ghosts, The History of Ghosts, written by Dan Aykroyd, who starred in the, in the movie, his father, Peter. And Peter Aykroyd's grandfather was a spiritualist who sat in home circle, who after his death, they found a chest filled with journals about the physical mediumship seances that he would have in his home and young Dan heard these stories and grew up as a spiritualist heard these stories of ectoplasm and seances and that is the genesis of him using those terms in Ghostbusters so I now have this backbone that it's okay to share and to our minds it seems like it's so hard to fathom that there is a substance that can come out of a medium and that our deceased loved ones can step into it, whether it's just a hand or a face or vocal cords and be able to speak again. But my friends, it it is reality. And um, it may be something where you need to see it to believe it. And I totally get that. That was exactly my experience and why I went to Banyan retreat, but it's real. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, and as you say, to see those little hands when you know there's no child in the room and nobody has a hand as tiny as those when it comes round against the plaque. And, I mean, I've witnessed that also with um, David Thompson when he came out to Amsterdam because I've been living in Spain for um, 17 years and only just come back to live in the UK. And we had um, physical mediumship festivals where we had uh, physical mediums and we had um, David Thompson came twice to our centre down in in the Mercia region and um, Kai Muga, uh, uh, a German medium, and also Scott. And with Scott, we we saw the ectoplasm coming from him, but not into any form. But it was lovely to have the direct voice as well uh, of, of the voice box and that's something else which they can make out of the ectoplasm. They can make a structure which resembles our voice box in our throats um, that can move and that the spirit people can speak through it. And that's what they call the direct, independent, direct voice. Uh, and that's something else because suddenly you have a voice away from the medium and away from any sitter uh, speaking to you or very close to you and it comes and speaks to you. Uh, so that that is something, quite, again, quite different. But we don't know how they do it. They can't tell us because we don't have the language. But they work extremely hard in the spirit world to to produce these effects so that... because. It's not only us that are grieving, 
they're grieving because they can't be with us. Or if they can be close to us, we can't hear them. They, they, we can't feel their touch. And unless you're very sensitive, you said, oh, gosh. I mean, uh, one of our favorite phrases is, someone's just walked over my grave. And that is somebody in spirit drawing very, very close to you saying, I'm here. The thoughts that come into your head, they're trying to talk to you, trying to get through to you. And if we were only just that little bit more open and aware that this can happen, and more and more people, I think, are beginning to realize that, yes, this can happen. And sometimes they have messages through telephone messages. I mean, a friend of mine, that the moment her, her son died in, in a cycle accident, he, uh, her phone rang. And when she looked at it, it was his phone number coming up because there was no message. And then she found out a couple of hours later that that was the moment that he'd been killed. And we, 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 we don't understand some of the things that can happen and some of the contacts that, that, we, that we can have. But <laughs> I, I, just, I just hope that so, you know, sometimes that people say, yes, I'm not going mad. This did happen. And I accept it must have been them. And so many people say, I just think, I just feel them so near me. And yes, they are very, yes. very close. Yes. And can we talk a little bit about your communication or your book, Harrison Connections? And have you had communication with Tom since he passed into the spirit world? Well, the Harrison Connections is about Tom's con- <laughs> As I say, subtitle, Tom Harrison's desire to communicate. He was absolutely determined. He'd, be, he'd been speaking of, of the return and the, the spirit world and the people there and wanting to communicate with us for 40 years. And yes, th- this is all about him. So within actually 17 hours of his passing, um, he was communicating, making his presence known at our centre in Spain. Now, I must, I must say that Tom and I were on, on one of our annual holidays to England, and we were up in Yorkshire staying at my brother's. And uh, so when he fell uh, during the night, um, cut his head open, and within uh, just over 24 hours, he actually he passed. I immediately rang our close friends in Spain um, uh, to tell them that he'd gone and because they'd been sending healing to him. Now, we had sat in, our, in the, their home circle for seven years. Every week we'd sat, we'd had wonderful communication, um, very little physical uh, stuff, but um, the, the medium was a wonderful trans medium and we had some beautiful connections with many, many people. But so I, I rang them and, and said to, to Robert, um, he's gone. And he said, he'll be back. It may not be tomorrow, but he'll be back. Well, it was Saturday evening and the Sunday service was, you know, next, next morning in Spain. Um, we didn't expect him to be back, but he was. 
during the service, the medium, who knew nothing about Tom's passing, had um, suddenly started to describe a man, uh, his height, his build, his personality, his commitment, he, his gift of speaking to people, of lecturing. Well, he said he never lectured, he just talked. And he said, and his mother's come with him. And Robert said, I know who that is. I think he was me. And she then gave him the rest of the message. And as she left, as she finished the message, she said, oh, and an Agnes has just popped in. Now, Robert was so taken aback by this. Immediately after the service, he rang me and said, he's been through, he's been through. And because Aunt Ag, Aunt Agnes, was Tom's aunt, who was his mother's main communicator through, through his mother's mediumship, they always spoke to her sister, her older sister, Agnes, Aunt Ag. And to say, Aunt Agnes has just popped in, because her catchphrase was, when she came, she would say, I've just popped in to let you know and then would give them a message. Right. There couldn't have been anything more evidential than that. And after that, he just never stopped. He communicated through, he came through 27 different mediums in that first year in different ways. A taxi driver in London woke up one morning to, to find this, face and we'd only met once we'd met Michael once and he, he saw Tom's face and Tom gave him various bits of evidence and everything was absolutely spot on Tom, Michael's connection with us was uh, Susan Farrow who was the editor of PN he then came through so many different people that we knew and some people I didn't know, some people I didn't have a real strong connection with and he never stopped. By the August, the August, yes, David Thompson came to Spain and Tom built in the darkness and came to me and held my face and kissed my forehead and spoke to me. And as he was very, very emotional, he was emotional. I don't know how they managed to hold it. He then walked across the room to speak to other people that he knew very, very well and spoke to them. A month later, back in Hull, he came through Stuart Alexander and spoke to them and me and again materialised and held my hand. And just trying to hold my hand was just too much for him and... The he couldn't hold the ectoplasm form, and uh, I mean for your listeners, <laughs> it must almost be mind blowing because you say he, he couldn't hold the form because it takes a huge amount of energy for a materialised person to keep that physical material around them, around their spirit body, yes, to make themselves known and and to give them that solidity which Tom spoke of so often in the, the people who came through in his mother's circle, because in their circle, they were 
all were in red light and you could see them and you want and they wanted you to see them to recognize their faces that was most important that you could recognize them oh yeah but but the book the book took four years to write because they kept trying different ways to come through and through different people um that he even managed to write a message with through scott at uh, in, in 2012 two years after he'd passed um he wrote a message on a piece of paper for me and it happened to be the 19th anniversary of our meeting it, it just is it, it was non-stop and to get through the grieving process there couldn't have been anything better for me than to have to keep working at it his wonderful way of, of being with us all the time, passing on different things, moving things, even a nutmeg grater. I decided to make a, um, a dish one day and I, I needed the nutmeg for it. And I went through to the freezer to get something out of the freezer, came back with it, and the nutmeg grater, which is usually in a pot at the side of the, of the stove, uh, it was out and lying on my work surface when I got back from the other room. Hmm. This was the sort of thing that that, that happened. <laughs> but there, there was just so much that I've have had people say how much they have appreciated things that I, I've been able to tell them yes. because of, of the way that they have had to work through not having this wonderful contact, but knowing that even little things like that are, are so, so important. They sure are. And I'd like to ask about what both you and Tom have spoken about, which is uh, Tom's lecture, now now yours, that I saw at Banyan. Could you talk a little bit about Minnie Harrison and how um, that group started and yeah, share some of these uh, things that happened in in red light. Yeah, just share a little yes. bit about that. <laughs> yes. I love yeah, it. That, that, I know. Uh, as I say, that that was it was a complete eye opener to me. It was difficult to absorb all that to start with. But um, Tom was in the army for the full seven years of the Second World War, and uh, when he was home. Uh, while he was away, his his wife, whom he'd married in, in 1940, near the, the start of his service, um, and his mother and father, used to go around to their good friends, uh, Sidney and Gladys, who ran a small uh, shop, um, like a general store, and they sold everything. And Sydney also took up baking so that they started to sell bread and cakes and, and various things. But every Saturday evening, they would go around and have a social evening, nothing much else to do. So you couldn't afford to go to the cinema all the time. And being wartime, they just used to go around and have a good chat. And because Sydney played the violin and Gladys played the piano, they would have a sing-song and, and just have a lovely social time together. When Tom came back from the army at the beginning of 1946, they, again, just went round for the Saturday evening. And about the third week in, Sydney said, why don't we have a circle? Now, this was because they were all spiritualists, a 
apart from his wife, who was a Methodist, but very used to uh, spiritualist ways. And um, Sydney worked when whenever uh, Tom's mum, Minnie, went to take a service at a spiritualist church, Sydney would do the address like what you know, people would sort of in, in churches call a sermon. But he would do the address, and then men would to, would make the communications uh, with, with the different people. Now, ever since she was a teenager, she had developed into a good trans medium. So they decided, yes, yes, we'll have a circle. And they just expected that they would have men go into trans and people that they knew or didn't know would come through and talk to them. Well, the first week they decided to sit, the beginning of April 1946, um, she went into trance, and almost immediately her sister's guide, an Indian called Running Water, came through and said, sit with the trumpets and you will get as good as Mrs. Abbott. Now that was his that was his um, guy that was his control, uh, Min's sister Agnes Agnes Abbott, and they thought, well, we can't believe that, but we'll we'll have a go, uh, and that's where they started. And by after the third, they made some trumpets. They made a wooden one, a cardboard one, and stood them. Now trumpets are really for communication, where the spirit voice will come through the medium. But because it is so difficult to to get any volume with the voice, the, the trumpet is really a basic megaphone, just like the old cute, um, cone that you would see people speaking into and the voice would come out louder at the other end. Yes. And this is what the, a, a trumpet is. Uh, I mean, it's still used today. And um, so they, they made one or two. And the third week under the trumpets, under one of them, when they lifted it up on the floor, was a little flower. Now, no, there were no flowers in the room. Where had it come from? Mm-hmm. And they decided it must be an apport. And that is something brought into the room that nobody has had any contact with. It arrives from spirit, and it's a physical object. It doesn't disappear. It's there. So that was their start, three weeks. The fifth week, they heard a voice through the trumpets. And by the time six months had gone by, they were having voices regularly through the trumpets. And then they asked if they could possibly have a red light because they were starting to get hands, as you described Sandra, the hands against the plaque, the little one that we saw in November with Scott they were seeing that against one of the trumpets because the spirit people had said please no, get a plaque paint a plaque so we can show you our hands very quickly once they did that they saw hands, they had connection with them through voices and then they said, well, can we have a red light so we can see the hands better? In a few weeks, they said, the spirit people said, yes, we're ready for a red light, but it must be very dim. And it was. If you can imagine a very dim um, torchlight, uh, 
behind a piece of red glass that you would use in a in a photographic dark room. So it was very dim, but yes. you could see them. And this is what they started with. And by week 32, as it just eight months after they started sitting, that they had their first full materialization. This wonderful spirit built in the center of the room. Now, most people, if you know anything about it, is usually the medium is shut away in a cabinet, in a box, or behind a curtain, so you can't see them. And the spirit person will then build. In this case, they were still all sitting around in a horseshoe around the fireplace in this tiny room. It was barely, what, three and a half meters, four meters by four, 12 foot by 10 foot. Small room. A small sitting room. And there in the center of this circle, they saw this column start to build and grow and grow. And it was just like a white disc to start with. And Tom says as he watched it, it grew until... It was the full height of a person, and it turned towards him. He was sitting opposite his mother. This form turned towards him, and he could see the dark shape where a face should be. But the light was so dim, he couldn't make out the face, but he knew it was that. And from this form, two hands came out towards him. And he... he absolutely amazed but not frightened but amazed and he put his hands out and into his hands this form placed four carnations and closed his hands around them incredible and then gradually the column of ectoplasm went down and down and down until it disappeared and just seemed to whisk back towards his mother into the darkness. And that was their first one, only eight months after sitting. But people sit for many, many years. But as I, point, as I pointed out to him, and I said, you've got to tell people this. Your mother and father and Doris, his wife, and Sydney and Gladys had been sitting together on a social evening for six years throughout the war while you were away. They had formed that harmony, that bond between them. And because Min was already a developed medium, as soon as Tom was back, the spirit world were ready to start and get going. Because what people don't often realize is that Minnie had had, um, has had breast cancer and had her first operation in 1940. And this was 1946. And they kept her going. As um, the guide Sunrise used to say, we give her healing. And they gave her healing every week and kept her going for 18 years until 1958. And they sat many, many weeks of the year through, throughout all that time, having this wonderful connection with spirit. And lot, a lot of visitors, too. They had over 200 people who were not part of the circle who went and met their family and were able to see them and hold them and kiss them 
one one man called um, Roy Dixon Smith wrote his own book called New Light on Survival, which has been long out of print, but is available occasionally. And he described how his wife was a totally different build from the medium, how her hands were slender, where men's were quite broad and, and work-like, you know, a, a lovely, cozy woman. But his wife was very slender, and her hands were slender, and played the piano. And he said she was so different. And he was allowed to go her over and hold her and kiss her. But the emotion of him kissing her made that she couldn't hold the form any longer and disappeared. But these are just, you know, eight, ten years of wonderful experiences that they had always in red light. Now, the trumpet, when, it, when they had the trumpet going and the voices spoke through the trumpet, it was in darkness. But every materialization was, was seen in red light. And sometimes the red light was brighter than at other times, depending on how used the, the um, spirit was to be able to stand the light. Aunt Ag was very used to it. And she would often stay for 15 minutes and have a really good chat with everybody. Oh. Others would just stay for a minute or two and not even come out of the, the cabinet which they had later, after about 12 weeks, um, they were advised to have a cabinet so that the materializations could be stronger and more of them. Mm. And uh, that was, <laughs> we don't need that. No. I mean, what's wrong with them now? I said, ah, but you can have more and we can do more. Anne, may and, I ask uh, a question? Um, I have Tom's book, Life After Death, Living Proof, and there on the front cover is a picture of a materialized woman. Can you yes. tell, and, and you can also see it on your that, website, smppbooks.com. Can you yes. just explain that? Because she seems like she's wrapped in a veil, but you can see a face. That's right. Um, the, because of the, the ectoplasm, when it flows from the uh, book, and there's a lovely picture in the book of actually of Min sitting in her chair in the corner and the ectoplasm starting to flow from her. But it comes out, and there were the spirit scientists, and there are many of them in the spirit world that work with a circle to produce this. And they can make it into the most beautiful fine cloth. As um, Aunt Tag once said to them, this, these are the robes that you are making for your life in the spirit world. And depending on the fine gossamer, so it can be very fine, like fine silk foil, or it can be a coarser cloth. It, as people have said, oh, it's just cheesecloth. Well, it can be if they want it to be, or it can be a beard. But that wonderful picture uh, of Aunt Ag is, um, as they did it, for, particularly for photographs, because the energy that is used and is, is used by the, in the spirit world is thought energy. And by thinking and molding those thoughts, they can create clothes. So if you've seen the wonderful um, pictures of Silver Bell, in her wonderful Indian costume, and there are plenty online of it developing with, with, the, with the American medium, and she's a wonderful Indian. It took all the energy to produce that. So to use a minimal energy and to say just for them to be there, they kept it as simple as possible in like a shroud. 
they can see wrapped around them. If if you look at that photograph, you can see that she's holding it tight around her, tight close in. She has one arm up, holding it around her chin, and the other one around her body. So, but you can see the face, and this is what was important. The face was important. Can you recognise me? Is what they used to say. Can you see me? Can you recognise me? The rest of it didn't matter. Clothes don't matter. No. It's just that the face. Now, the the thing is, is that they did that because if they tried to mould it into ordinary clothes, it would use all the energy up and nobody else could come that evening. Whereas if they kept it simple and just as almost as it came from the medium, a simple length of cloth, then... It didn't use as much energy for them to, to, to be there. And six, seven, eight people could come in one evening. And they would hold it tight around their face, and particularly when the photograph was being taken, because the actual taking of the photograph absorbs energy from any object you're taking. So they had to keep very still and very concentrated so that the energy disturbance by the photograph being exposed uh, didn't disturb them. And they were able to get a, a decent photograph. And these photographs weren't taken for for public distribution. That's, that's another story which happened in the 1960s uh, when somebody was shown them and they said, get out and talk about it. These were only taken so that Min, who was fast asleep in deep trance every week and saw nothing of this, only the sitters saw it, they, they took the photographs so that Min, the medium, could actually see her sister and, and the, the other people who came to, to be in the circle. That's the reason for taking the photographs. Oh, fantastic. I want to ask you too, Anne, I, when we met, I got from you something called the Christmas Party Sitting, a CD. Could you share what that is? Because I listened to that as soon as I got home, and it's great. <laughs> yes, of course, of course um, it was one of the, I think, only two recordings ever made, but the, the only one of a full seance, the other one is of a trance sitting. But in 1954, January 1954, um, a friend of theirs who was very involved with the, the local cinema and, and had an electrical shop, he had got um, a tape recorder and being a, a very staunch um, spiritualist and a good friend of the family said, "Could you know, would you like me to come and try and record one of your sittings? And uh, so this was set up, and he um, he sat in the, in one corner of the room, and in the book there is a diagram of how, of how they did it. He was in one corner behind a screen so that the lights from the recorder didn't um, interfere with the materializations and, and with the trumpet work. And uh, Tom, across the room with a microphone, um, recorded the whole of the sitting, and it was nearly two hours long onto a seven-inch reels uh, for the tape recording. We were, we were fortunate, you know, that they were able to, to do it so so brilliantly. And, and Tom was such a wonderful um, 
commentator and introducing people. Definitely. And they were the, um, uh, he held the, I've just been listening to a piece this morning, that, that he held the microphone in front of the materialised form and they spoke into his microphone. So several of the, the voices on the CD are of materialised people. And the first half of the, the CD on, uh, is... Um, voices coming through the trumpet. So they must have brought the trumpet fairly close to where Tom was standing because that was in darkness and spoke and they were able to communicate. So some of them who, who didn't materialise could still get their message across. Uh, one particular one was um, a young boy called James Andrew who had died when he was around about 12 and he'd been coming to the Christmas parties since 1948 and every year he came back to say thank you and to let him let them know that he was still doing okay and how things were going on and um tom was able to in 1948 was able to let his family know that he was okay and had communicated and uh, actually went round to the house. And that's a lovely story called Homeward Bound, which is in it. And James Andrew actually speaks through the trumpet, and um, it, it's on it's on the CD quite clearly. But the other materializations, I say, are, are wonderful. So I, I can't remember how many voices are on. I think there are certainly twelve. And right at the very end, we have just a, a short snippet of when. Um, Bin comes out of trance and speaks and, and, and just sort of says, no, good night, everybody. Yes. So you can actually hear her lovely, warm, northeastern accent um, as, she, as she just says good night. So, yeah. yeah. And there were, but, weren't there uh, lights also and Christmas presents or little toys there, if I remember? Yes, yes. That's right, because they, they I think, I think was, um, the recording was taken on the Christmas party uh, sitting, which they had every year, so it's not from 1948. They had, as we did in November at the, at the Banyan, they had a Christmas tree, and instead of having all the normal decorations, lights on it, they took those off and put lots of tiny toys on for the children, for the spirit children. Little, a little lorry, a little aeroplane, a small doll, uh, beads, little necklaces, things, things that they could take away. And um, they could hear the children playing around the tree during the seance. And they would hear, they could hear the tree rustling. And they took, and at the end of the night, every toy was gone. And um, gone. Tom said that, yes, it come gone from the room, absolutely disappeared. It had been disported, as they call it. You know, apples are things coming into the room, and a disport is going out of the room. Like an export, I suppose, really. Um, but they, they are, Thomas said, we asked them, what did they do? And they said, well, what happens is that the spirit children take them, they play with them, and, and remember, we, we heard them playing with the toys and unwrapping the toys in November at the Banyan. Um, yes. We had bigger toys around the, around the, the, foot, of the foot of the tree. But... Um, this one, they were just tiny ones. And they said, no, the, the spirit children take them, they take them out of the room, and they play with the, I suppose, like well, we would say spirit parts, 
the, what they call the etheric part of the toy for as long as they want to. He said, and then the children take them, spirit children, take them down into the slum areas of the town where the children have no toys and they're, they're very poor and there were quite a lot of areas where there was a lot of deprivation and they had nothing to play with. And they would suddenly materialise. They would, they would re-apport a small toy alongside a child sitting on a doorstep, sitting on the cur- edge of the, of the curb. Uh, uh, edge of the, I can't say, well, pavement is, is not because there's something different, mm-hmm. the sidewalk in America. Yes. Uh, and the, the little child would look down and say, oh, a toy. No. No questions asked. Where has it come from or anything? And that was something for them. So the spirit children could play with the spirit part of them, the etheric part of them, and then they would rematerialize the physical and give them back for the children to play with here. That's so, so special. So special both ways. But you mentioned the lights as well. Yes, one of the, um, the young men working in the spirit world was the brother of uh, Gladys Shipman, one of the sitters. Douglas had died um, only a few days old. And he'd grown up in the spirit world and he'd become interested in the sort of electrical side of things. And he'd worked at producing lights. And so he could make twinkling lights appear around the Christmas tree just as though lights were on the tree, uh, as though they'd left the uh, ordinary electrical set on, which, of course, they hadn't. They'd removed those. And these just little glows of light that would appear and disappear here and there twinkling uh, amongst the branches of the tree. So, how yeah, how about, could you discuss that. a little bit about the apports? Sorry to interrupt, but uh, maybe some of the apports that were brought in. You're talking about the toys being brought out. What kind of things were brought mm. in? Yeah, yes, well, well, that particular night, of course, there was one brought in, and uh, that's another lovely piece on the CD, uh, and that was uh, a small bell um, because they, they sang on and off throughout the whole of the party just to keep the vibrations going and at one point there's the um, the sound of a, a bell ringing and there was a small what they call an Indian temple bell you know on these curved ones little curved claws and they had um, one in, in the in the room and they just left it in. anybody could play with that and ring that and during the singing Tom heard it fall on the floor and he said oh they've dropped it and a few moments later, there was another, there was ring, 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 ring. And he said, oh, they fooled me. They picked it up again. But what they didn't realize at the time was that it actually was a second bell, a bell that had been brought in as a gift for the circle. We still have those. And uh, they're quite different in tone. But um, that, that was just the one thing that night. And also, there were lots of, um, violets dropped on the floor. Little flowers, t- tiny flowers, were left, and they were found on the floor at the end of the party as well. But flowers played um, a very big part in the apports of that circle, uh, right from the early days, as I say, from sitting three. But then after that, they very often had had flowers brought in, and and even um, bouquets of flowers as though they'd come, well, they had come from a florist, 
there was a florist nearby and she used to put all her flowers and plants out into the cold store at the back, just a shed. It was a proper cold store. And as uh, Aunt Ag had said to Tom, um, well, by Monday, most of them will be dead. So we've just borrowed a few. (laughs) 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 And uh, they would find, when they put the lights on at the end of the the sitting, they would find on the hearth, um, in the centre of the circle, they would find an arrangement of flowers. And somebody would have been through and said, it's my wife's anniversary on Tuesday, please can you take the flowers to her? Or it's my daughter's birthday, I've brought these for her. And there are quite a few um, records in in Tom's diaries that he kept, uh, very detailed diaries for the first two years, of so-and-so brought her two two chrysanthemums for so-and-so's birthday, or three tulips, and different ones. And they said, well, where are you getting some of these flowers from? I mean, they, they said, well, you know, Mrs. So-and-so, just down the street, <laughs> if you go and look in her garden. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Said, yes. <laughs> they had just sort of you know, picked one or two and brought them in, and they would find them. And sometimes when the, when the trumpets were standing upright with, with the narrow cone end, to they stuck the flowers in there, uh, a bit like a vase. So they, they would find those, and those would be a gift for somebody. Oh, Anne. Uh, carnations and roses and all sorts of things. But we still have a few of those in, in Tom's book of memorabilia. Yes. Uh, the actual ones that came through. Uh, a feather was brought for um, the special first anniversary of the circle by the, by the guide Sunrise, a wonderful, wonderful Indian, or a wonderful man. And he's he's still around, and he still looks after us, and uh, he he still looks he's still looking after me as well. Uh, I did ask uh, Scott about that through well Scott's communicator Eric about that as to whether or not um, somebody's guide who was a medium and linked with a home circle uh, would they go on and and continue to look after other members of the circle and 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 Eric had said this this spirit at Scott's spirit friend um yes yes they would if their job is not finished and Tom had Tom himself had linked with sunrise all his life and I often remember sunrise being around and when Tom passed um the, the week after at Stuart's um, seance that we had at the, the conference, his, his seminar at Cobra Hill in North Yorkshire, um, Sunrise came through and spoke through the trumpet to me, giving me all their good wishes and telling me that all was well. Because obviously Tom wasn't at the stage where he could come and speak himself, but Sunrise came for me. And Sunrise is still around, he still comes to me. Um, he's been through two or three circles to say he's still here and so yes that's answered the question that I'm I'm obviously still part of the whole setup even though I I never knew my dear mother-in-law who who, say passed in 1958 she knows you she knows me yes she does know me this is great also um, I just wanted to shout this out sometimes it seems so 
phenomenal. Like, how can this be true? And I can't help but think, you know, when we think of who we are and even the miracle of human birth, you know, a small sperm hits a small egg and inside of that creates a a human being full of Mm -hmm. intelligence or even thinking we're living on planet Earth that is one of billions and billions and billions of planets in a never-ending universe. Or think of, even if we look at our own hand, down to the tiniest atom that might be in us, if someone were to put a tiny um, camera, it, would, it wouldn't show anything. We're invisible at our tiniest mm-hmm. layer, that we are mm-hmm. these miraculous beings. And I don't think we're meant... 24-7 to realize that we are souls having a human experience because there is something to gain for our souls by living here on your earth. But these things are real as spectacular and, uh, you know, hard to believe as they may seem. Yes. yes. There's no doubt in my mind. Mm, no. And, and they can't explain it to us. I mean, if they tried, we would probably make a uh, make a mess of it or use it for the wrong reason. Which, which has happened with so many wonderful uh, scientific discoveries, it, it's turned to, to to use it for the bad instead of just for the good. Um, and so we can only be allowed to know so much. But when people say, why can't we see it all in light? And we say, well, hey, hang on. We don't know what energy is required, what they can do with our energy, and how much of, of this wonderful, wonderful system that is universal. I mean, it isn't because you're either Christian or you're Buddhist or you're Muslim or or anything or a spiritualist that you you go on. You go on like it or not. <laughs> and <laughs> you've got to live with that. And But there's so much more. As you say, you know, what is an atom? If you, I mean, I've got some plants growing indoors because I brought them back from Spain with me. And um, I've got them growing on the windowsill above the radiator, so they're quite happy. But so are the little flies. And you look at them. I mean, they are minuscule. They're not even the size of a pinhead. And yet they've got legs. They've got wings. They can fly about. It is just miraculous. If you look at the tiny ants. And, and you think, well, crumbs. The way that they put everything together. Yes, and the intelligence. Yeah. The intelligence that's there, the way that they can live in a colony, the way that they know how to do things. And yet everything's in such a minuscule yeah. thing. And yet here are we, you know, millions of times larger than them. And we can't seem to get it right at times. It's, it's part of the evolution. And I'm even holding my cellular phone in my hand. I have an iPhone. And it's become quite regular that... On the screen right now, I have a picture of Tom's book and a picture of Aunt Ag and thinking nothing of it. But 200 years ago, before there was even telephone communication, to say something like this could be possible. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea how even you and I are talking right now through the magic of not being connected by wires. And the pictures can come through. And I just think it's it's going to take time. And maybe things Mm. will happen in light, but I mean, this is all progress. And I think if you're interested in this, uh, get involved, listen to some of the other shows. I'd Mm. like to talk a little bit about your Saturday Night Press publications, too, because you have so many great books and CDs and DVD. um, But if this is something that's calling to your heart that you want to know more of, there's probably 
a spirit person whispering in your ear and you're meant to learn and share and grow and and let's bring this back to life that's what i say because nothing heals grief better than knowing your loved one is okay and Mm, yeah could you talk about the press your um Yes, I mean, the, the, the whole thing started because we couldn't find anybody uh, in the mainstream publishers to take Tom's book into publication. I mean, he, his first little one that you mentioned, uh, Visits by Our Friends from the Other Side, he did that himself completely and had it um, printed privately and uh, just uh, no, distributed it uh, as and where. So it was a, Psychic News and uh, SNU, uh, a lot of people took it on. At one stage, he even managed to get it into Smith's at High Wycombe, <laughs> which is one of the main bookstores, but not for long. But that's what he wrote. He wrote a small book that just got it started and has all the main points of the circle. But people said, well, you know, you know so much more. And I, and I was saying, but there's all these wonderful pieces of, the, of your journals that you've got the detail uh, of sittings each week. Um, We ought to be able to get that out more. And so once we we went and settled in Spain, uh, he started to write and started to put it together. And um, in 2004, we had it ready and we started contact. We contacted 14 mainstream publishers that did spiritual, spiritualist, um, mediumistic books, and not one of them would touch it. We sent them, you know, whole pieces of it. Uh, nobody would have a go at it. They, even David Fontana sent us the address of his own publisher, uh, and they wouldn't look at it. So we said, well, but uh, fortunately, we'd made contact with uh, Tom and Lisa Butler, who ran the um, American Association of EVP. They've now changed it to a transcom, and they don't. But they're a wonderful setup for people doing EVP. And she, uh, Lisa, wanted to use one of the photographs from Tom's little book uh, on uh, a a publication. We we sent emails and got chatting, and Tom told us uh, that they had had to do the same for theirs. They had to do it themselves. Told us of this wonderful printer called Lightning Source and said, well, get in touch and find out how you can do it. And that's that's what we did. I found out that I was able to set up the page sizes and you know, get everything in, in order and get it out. And having a contract with them cost nothing. But not only could I have a contract with uh, for England, I could also have it in America, which meant we could go worldwide with the books. Um, and that's what we did. So in uh, in 2004, beginning of 2005, the first one came out. Uh, and then two years later, uh, Tom Howe was severely ill with pneumonia, but received the most amazing healing through Stuart and everybody at the seminar up in North Yorkshire in the October. And within three days, not only was he no longer hallucinating, had no fever, he was back home, having been almost like an in intensive care in hospital. And um, it, it was just amazing. So I said, we've got, to, we've got to redo the book. This is why it's got a ticket on the front that says revised edition. And I said, well, while we're doing it, 
why don't I add more? Because you didn't mention this and you didn't put that in. And you know. So we added a lot more from the diaries and more photographs as well, because by then I'd got a bit, a bit more expertise. Yes. And um, so, so that's why the Life After Death Living Proof says revised edition, 2008. And you publish Just other so books living. as well. There's many yes, others that I... Because believe you're not going to find anywhere else and they're phenomenal no. well, well really. because the, the uh, alec harris the full story that was book. all because of david david fontana uh wanted to know more it, there was so little there was only the the one put out by the psychic book club uh they walked among us mm. um the louis louis harris and he said there's only that and he was so wonderful because being living down in cardiff he took himself off to the local church at Cardiff, where Alec used to go, and asked them. And they said, well, his son lives just over the hill in Caerphilly. Why not go and see him? And so David went off, they made an appointment, went off to see uh, Bradley and the grandson, Anthony. And they said, well, yes, we've got the manuscript. Uh, and what was in They Walked Among Us? It's only one third of the whole story. There's nothing of the healing, the wonderful healing that he did, and so and so and so and so. And so they gave David copies of the manuscript. But somebody else who'd, who'd been, his father had been a member of the circle, had been working on um, the manuscript for two years, changing it into a computerized one. And just at the moment, we were about to start transcribing the other one, the, the typewritten one. Yes. Um, Chris turned up with this uh, one ready to use. Perfect. But it were really working with us. And it's my favorite um, book that I've read so far because the really materialization that came from Alec Harris that people could see, just brilliant. Yes. Well, yeah. we've... And Go ahead. Several, several people, several at a time as well. Yes. Uh, and now, of course, uh, I was able to get it translated into German so we've got Tom's book, uh, Life After Death Living Proof, and the Alec Harris book are both available in German as well, and, and they're, on the, they're on the website. That's so But a lot great. of the others are people who have said to me, this has gone out of print, we can't get it, or they're charging £50 for a copy of it, like the Helen Duncan. Yes. And a past prepared, the Isa Northage, um, Alan Crossley's book, A Journey of Psychic Discovery. Those were all had gone out of print, and nobody was re redoing them. But they were wanted. People liked them. And then, of course, there's the, the Stuart, Stuart Alexander's book, um, Extraordinary Journey, a, a story of a, psychic, of a physical medium. Yes. And Katie Halliwell's book about his circle, about the things that happen, experiences of, of trance and physical mediumship. So, yes, just extraordinary. Uh, people just asked me, and, and, and the, I think there are another couple on the way. <laughs> yeah, and the website is snppbooks.com, which is Saturday Night yes. Press Publications. And, correct. And, yes. yeah, there's so many good things. And we're, well, we don't really have a time schedule, but for all of us, I don't yes, want to yes, keep you yes, too yes, long. Yes. Um, You'll have to cut some out. <laughs> and, no, I'm not going to cut anything out because this is my show well, and I do it's my rambled way. A bit, but no, it, it it's all valuable. And I want to ask you, is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap things up? No, I just, uh, I, I honestly wish that 
other people were able to share some of the wonders that that I have. Uh, but for many, many, it's not possible. Many people are not ready or they're going to be ready. But if the opportunity comes along to sit and make your own group, you never know what happens. As Stuart says, that they started by reading a book by Arthur Finley on the edge of the Etheric. And he learned about the, the direct voice medium, John Sloan, and, and the wonders that Arthur Finlay, who, who left Stansted Hall to the SNU, uh, the wonders that he had. And they said, let's just try. And they did. They tried. And they sat. They had no idea. They thought that Stuart's brother was going to be the medium. And it turned out to be Stuart. Yeah. They had no idea. Incredible. So you never know what spirit has got in, in in line for you. Yeah, and if this is something you're interested in, there's books, there's radio shows, there's all kinds of things you can watch. Uh, again, yeah. if you look in the description of this episode, uh, Tom Harrison's video on YouTube, Visitors from the Other Side, is there mm-hmm. in addition uh, links to the books that we've mentioned and Anne's yeah. website. And of course, the, the, the video came out about all because his, his daughter said, Dad, you're not going to be around forever, and you know, you're, getting, you're getting on, and you're not going to be able to travel. He says, hang on, he says, and you're not going to be around forever, so you must get a video made. He said, how do I make a video? Within months, he met people who were used to making videos as training videos for a college. Her husband could be the cameraman. He met up with someone who was prepared to do the post-production. And we met a very close friend. And so, sorry? Yeah. Are these coincidences? I don't think so. Of uh, course, no. I, they are, I'm sure they are, to me, they are spirit-driven. I mean, the story, I mean, David wrote it as a lovely form uh, in Alec Harris's book of how things just slotted into place. How are we going to fund getting the book into production? And he's talking to Eric Hatton, who says, well, the JV Trust can fund it. Mm. It was just slot, slot, slot. It's just amazing. For our listener listening right now, I want to invite you a couple of things. First, um, last night, there was a global meeting online through the Afterlife Research and Education Institute. We use the name A-R-E-I. And our discussion, uh, Scott Milligan was actually a part of it, discussing physical mediumship. The Afterlife Research and Education Institute, excuse me, uh, is meeting in September in Scottsdale, Arizona, with a symposium, September 14th through 16th, which is a conference that there'll be close to a 1,000 people there afterlifesymposium.org is the website and based on our meeting online yesterday it's there's a lot of talk of physical mediumship as well as other kinds of mediumship and other afterlife communication so if this is something that interests you i definitely invite you to uh if you can join us at the symposium if you can't join the afterlife institute and you, again if you go to afterlifesymposium.org i think it's 
35 US dollars a year, but you're invited to all these online global meetings that are free and you can learn so much just from the comfort of, of your home. Also, if you're somebody who wants to witness some of this physical phenomena, I go twice a year in the spring and the fall. This is where I met Anne to Banyan Retreat and BanyanRetreat.com is the website and upcoming March 29th through April 2nd, there is something called Whispers from the Soul. In the fall, it's called Voices of the Past. And there are other things you can do also, um, even to witness some of these seances throughout the year at Banyan. But I wholeheartedly recommend it. Really good, loving people. And so those are just a couple of things that I like to share. And plus, I've done a lot of speaking with guests on physical mediumship. And Stuart Alexander is going to be our guest and um just a few weeks' time, so I'm excited about that. And yeah, Anne, thank you for being our guest today and sharing your beautiful life, your husband's, your stories, and yourself. Thank you. I'll just say with with Stuart, of course, uh, Tom and I were uh, members of the of Stuart's home circle for over six years until we went to to Spain from from 1994. Through to 2000, uh, and then we went to Spain. We were honorary members, so allowed to go back and and still join in and be welcomed, you know, so lovingly Excellent. by by the spirit people there, as well as the as, as well as the physical people of the circle. It was just a wonderful, wonderful family. Oh. It takes dedication, yes, and it takes commitment, yes. But the love that you can experience and feel. Is just amazing. Yeah, I do feel in I my heart everybody. that I'm witnessing the miraculous, and I I feel the same way again. Sorry to interrupt. That yeah. I wish everybody mm-hmm. could experience this. And yeah. when I just you're ready, everybody, everybody, no bon chance in your journey, and if just give it a go. Yes. Just try with good friends. The main thing is harmony. It doesn't matter whether it's two people, four people. There's no definite number. The thing is, not too big a circle, but just get that harmony, maybe a family group, maybe just two or three close friends. Sit when you can regularly. At the same time, make a commitment. Enjoy yourselves. We had some wonderful times in the little circle that we sat in in West Yorkshire, uh, singing all the old-time music hall songs. People say, well, can't we sing some modern songs? Well, we sang things like, Chitty, chitty, bang, bang, and how much is that doggy in the window? (laughs) We didn't get much more modern than that, but we had a wonderful time, and we had some wonderful, wonderful phenomena just with that family in that loving home. So it doesn't take, it does take love. Love. Do it with love. Do it with love and harmony and laughter is the best energy builder. And and yes. let's reconnect these two worlds because our right. loved ones are around us. They are around mm, us. And that's right. And they're just wanting to be able to get that through. Yes. Just say, yes, go on, do it. Or why don't you think of so-and-so? They're, they're trying so hard to get it through to us. Yes. Oh, and their love. Thanks and again. Love. Thanks yes. again from the bottom of my heart, our hearts, for being our guest today. Thank you very much indeed for asking me. Oh. Love to everybody. Yes, Bye. and for a listener, uh, for a listener, um, remember to go to snppbooks.com or look in the description because I've got links to everything. Remember to visit we don't die radio.com. Lots of episodes about 
physical mediumship, all kinds of things, near-death experiences, and many, many different reasons for you, not only to believe that the life, that life after death is real, but that your life is for a purpose. Mm. So... Can I just say one thing, one thing we didn't say, and that you said about going to, to the website to see all the books. All the books that you see on there are available through Amazon, Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk. So if you didn't want to write to me, uh, you know, to the SMPP site and order it that way, you can find them on Amazon. Thank you, Anne, because that makes them available globally, and yeah. then you don't have to pack right, hundreds of boxes. Very often it, it costs it costs more except for the CDs and the DVD, those have to come from me. Yes. But the books are available, um, as I say, everywhere. Excellent. Well, in closing, another warm thank you to Anne Harrison, our guest, and thank you to you, our listener, for being with us for this fantastic episode of We Don't Die. My name is Sandra Champlain. Always delighted that I get to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. And I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on Earth is important. So I really want to thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.